0: Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 6, John chapter 6, and uh, we left off last week in our scripture, I believe in verse number 34, we'll continue in verse number 35, John chapter 6. If you're just joining us for the first time, thank you for being here, Uh, we don't take it lightly that anyone would be our guest, but secondly, we preach through books of the Bible, we preach verse by verse, Uh, so we've been in the gospel of John since... Uh, the first of the year, and we just now made it to John chapter 6, which is one of my favorite chapters in the Gospel of John. And Jesus records, uh, or rather, John records only seven miracles that the Lord did in the whole entire book of John. And Jesus has fed, in John 6, he's fed the 5,000 with bread and fish, and then he gives his discourse claiming to be the bread of life. He then heals a blind man later on in Scripture. He claims to be the light of the world, and then he uh, claims to be the resurrection and the life when he raises Lazarus from the dead in John chapter number 11. This is the first of the seven I am's in the gospel of John. He says in verse 35 of John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. He says in John chapter 11 verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He says in John chapter 8 and John 9, I am the light of the world. He says in John chapter 14 and verse number 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John chapter 10, verse 7 and 9, he says, I am the door. In John 15, verse number 1 and 5, he says, I am the vine. And in John chapter 10, verse 11 and verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. seven times. In the gospel of John itself, Jesus declares himself to be the I Am. This goes all the way back to Exodus chapter 3. This, of course, is speaking of his deity. But if you were to go to Exodus chapter 3, you would find that when Moses was approaching that burning bush in the wilderness, when he speaks to that bush, of course, was God in the bush, and he was, uh, of course, a flame of fire. The bush was not consumed, it was the fire of God. When Moses approaches that bush in Exodus chapter 3, he basically asks, what is your name? And the voice of of God coming out of that bush says, I am, my name is I am. I've always been. I am now and I will always be. Is basically what God is saying. To define God or try to give a definition of God, any attempt to define God is to limit Him. It is not possible to describe or even to declare His total majesty, His His glory, His might, His power, His knowledge, or even the person of who God is. We can't define who God is. We'll limit God when we do that. So he declares that He is the covenant-keeping God, the God of Abraham, the, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob... And this is the first I am in Scripture. In John chapter 6, Jesus takes on the name, the identity of God. I'm getting somewhere, just stay with me. He links himself with God. He basically says seven times, I believe it is, in John chapter 6, he says that I have came down from heaven. This is the problem, church, that, that the Jews, the religious crowd, they had with Jesus. They didn't have a problem with Him uh, healing the sick. They didn't have a problem with Him raising the dead. They didn't have a problem with Him actually calling Himself a Savior. They had a problem with Jesus saying that He was God. But he says seven times in Scripture that he came down from heaven. John chapter 6, verse 33, John 6, 38, John 41, John 42. Seven times in John 6, he says, I've come down from heaven. That just confused these Jews. It even confused the disciples. In other words, Jesus claims to be God. And this is a hard discourse. This is a hard message that, that Jesus gave on being the bread of life. It was hard for people to understand. You say, preacher, how hard was it? Well, look with me in verse number 41. John six forty-one. it says, uh, the, the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread of life, the bread which came down from heaven. So they murmured. The word murmur means to grumble or to complain. So basically when Jesus said, I'm the bread of life the first time, they began to murmur and to complain among themselves. Look down with me in verse 52. He says it again, and look what they do. The Jews therefore strove among themselves. You know what strove means? To argue or to quarrel. So they started to argue amongst themselves. When Jesus declared himself the bread of life, they began to fight among themselves. Look at verse number 60 of John chapter 6. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, uh, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? So basically what they're saying is, who can accept what this man is saying? This is so hard. Who can accept what this man, Jesus, is saying? This is a hard saying. Look with me in verse 66. Notice what they did from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him many walked away and left him they they got so upset by jesus Teaching that he's the bread of life, that he came from heaven, that he's God in the flesh, that he'll never you'll if you take of this bread, you'll never hunger. If you drink of this blood, and and, in a metaphor, he said that you'll never thirst. He said, if you'll take of this bread, you'll never crave for anything outside ever again. They had a hard time with that. Because look at verse 67. Even Jesus looked at his own disciples and said this. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, meaning the ones, his inner disciples, will ye also go away? And listen, we know that, yes, they they stayed with him, but I'm sure there was doubts, Brother Joseph. I'm sure there was uh, maybe some confusion even among the disciples with who is this Jesus that we're following. I've seen him break bread and fishes and feed thousands of people. I've seen him Walk out on water to where we are three and a half miles away in the middle of a storm and speak peace and deliver us to the other side. Who is this man? Now he declares himself the bread of life. Some church denominations have this all wrong. They have literally taken the end of chapter 6 And they've made these verses more confusing by misapplying them about the Lord's Supper. They actually teach that this is some of the Lord's Supper, but some take John 6, 52 and 58 and and literally say that Jesus is teaching cannibalism. And they'll they'll take these verses, and we'll get to them in just a minute, but, but even the Roman Catholic Church uses these verses to teach transubstantiation which is basically trans, meaning to move across, and substance referring to the body and the blood of our Savior. And here's what they teach. They teach that if you take the wafer and you drink of the wine or the juice, that the wafer becomes the literal flesh of Jesus and the, and the wine becomes the blood. Folks, I don't know about you, but that's gross to me. Jesus is not teaching that we eat real flesh and real blood, it was all symbolism. It was symbolic. And yet here we got these teaching, these false teaching, and, and there are several problems with this analogy. First, it, you could not refer to communion because our Lord didn't institute the Lord's Supper till a year later. And the Lord's Supper was to believers. This is to unbelievers. By the way, we took the Lord's Supper last Sunday evening And that's why we try to teach and preach that if you take of the Lord's Supper, you need to make sure you're one of His. So then, I believe the third reason that this could be messed up is the Lord's Supper is taking as a visible reminder of the Lord's sacrifice for us. So three things that I want to share with you in this brief message, and it is brief. It is brief. Here's the first thing, is this. We see our Lord's claim. Our Lord's claim. Look with me in verse 35. John chapter 6 verse 35, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Look with me in verse 48. If you'll skip down to verse 48, he says this, I am the bread of life. In verse number 51, he says, I am the living bread. So this is the claim of our Savior. He is the bread of life. And I, think, I find it interesting, Brother Lee, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. This is the bread that Jesus was speaking of. It's, it's me. So the question then arises to all the Jews and all the people, where did Jesus come from? Where did he come from? Where did this man come from? Seven times in John 6, Jesus declares that he came down from heaven. They're actually saying, well, we know Joseph and we know Mary. And Joseph is that carpenter down in in town. And and Mary, we know her. We've watched her grow up. And, and, And I know that Jesus was born of Mary and Joseph and Joseph raised him. And so he's saying, though, that he came from heaven. They're confused. That means that Jesus existed and existed as God before he was born on earth. He didn't just claim that he was going to heaven, but that he had already been to heaven. And no wonder folks said, this is a hard saying. We can't understand it. If we had been there that day, it would have been a hard saying for us too. You understand, we have the word of God. We have the spirit of God. They didn't then as far as indwelling them at that time. But but notice this. If we would have been among that crowd, many of us would have... It had been a hard saying for us too. Jesus was new. They had never seen a man like this before. This was a hard saying for them to observe. He didn't just claim he was going to heaven, but he'd already been to heaven. Jesus then makes a strange suggestion. I believe it's found in verse 62. Look with me. It says here, What? And if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up, notice this, where he was before. I believe Jesus in verse 62 is kind of referring to what would you want me to do? Go back? Go back to the age of 12 and teach in the temple? Go back to Bethlehem and be born in a manger? uh, To go back to heaven? He said, What do you want me to do? Put it in reverse? Have you ever seen America's Home Funniest videos when they do those bloopers and, those, and they fall and then they rewind it? It's even funnier going backwards. I believe Jesus might have chuckled just a little bit as he's thinking how absurd some of the looks maybe he was getting. And, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do, go back where I came from? Do you want to watch me as I progressed? You want to pinch my skin and make sure I'm real? I want you to stay with me. I want you to see that we have the Lord's claim. The main issue here, remember this, is where did Jesus come from? Jesus claims seven times in John 6 that he came from heaven. But number two, I want you to see our Lord's comparison. Not only his claim, but his comparison. Look with me in verse 49, John chapter 6, verse 49. Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. That's what Jesus said. They ate, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. Look at verse 50. He said this, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. Verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. And if any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh which I give for the life of the world. Now think about this. When Jesus called himself the living bread, he was not claiming to be exactly like the manna in Moses' day. He was actually claiming to be something even greater. See, the first thing is manna was only for Israel. Jesus was for the whole world. Stay with me. Manna was only sustained in life, but Jesus actually gives life. The Jews ate the manna daily for 40 years and eventually died. But when you receive Jesus as the bread of life one time, you will live forever and never die. The manna was temporary and physical. Jesus is the living bread. He's eternal and spiritual. Jesus said in verse 49, Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. They died. That manna would come up once a day. They would eat that manna, but guess what? If they tried to save it, it would rot. That's the only substance that they had. Jesus not only gives bread, he is bread. This was one piece of bread that was hard for that crowd to swallow. They had a hard time with Jesus and his comparison to Moses's manna. He said, I'm greater. I'm greater. You've been feasting on the manna, on this earthly manna. Can I say this this morning? That some of you have been trying to fill a void with earthly manna. You've been trying to take it and say, Well, preacher, if I could just go to church, if I can just go to church every Sunday, then I may have peace. Or, or, preacher, if I just read my Bible, I may have peace. Or, preacher, if I just get around some godly people, I'll have peace. But can I tell you, the only thing that will satisfy is Jesus himself. There's a lot of people in this world today that are trying to fill emptiness with religious things. You're not, there's, we know there's a lot of people trying to fill emptiness with drugs and alcohol and, and sex and all the rest of that junk. But can I tell you something? Listen, we know that. We say, preacher, I'm not even into that. But you may be sitting there this morning and you're trying to fill the emptiness with religion. There's a lot of people that are in hell today with good intentions. A lot of people that meant to do right and they tried to feast on things. But they did not feast on that which did never hunger or thirst. This is one piece of bread this crowd had a problem with. But here's the last thing I want to give you this morning is found in verse 58. Verse 58, it says this, This is the bread that which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He reiterates that. He that eateth of this bread, I can see Jesus pointing to himself, shall live forever. We see the Lord's claim, we see the Lord's comparison, but now we see the Lord's challenge. The heart of these verses is really twofold. Jesus wants us to know that where he is, who he is, where he came from, who is God, and he came down from heaven to provide a sacrifice for sinful man. Us. Jesus wants us to know how a person is saved. Hey, that's, that's what I would like to know. I'd like to know before we leave this building today. Do you know how to be saved? Do you know if you're saved? Here's the first thing that I want to show you is this. Salvation is God's work on man's behalf. Stay with me. Look with me in verse 35 again. Salvation is God's work on man's behalf. Look at verse 35. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life, and he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now, look with me in verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Verse verse 44. No man that come to me, except the Father which hath sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now these are very important verses that I just read. These three verses, because there's a lot of theological argument that rages today on election versus free will. A lot. There are those who put all their eggs into the basket of election. We call that Calvinistic. Calvinism there are others who put all their eggs into the basket of free will now you may look at me and say pastor can you reconcile the two Uh, my answer to you is no there is no way that you can reconcile the two together I cannot explain them uh, totally together any man that says that he can understand it all and explain it all is really lying that's just the mind of God. It's hard to explain. Someone one time asked Charles Spurgeon, they said, Mr. Spurgeon, uh, they said, uh, can you reconcile the two, free will and election? And he said, I don't have to reconcile old friends. John chapter 6 and verse number 37, look at it with me. I believe this speaks of the election of God and It speaks of free will. He says this, look at it with me. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Now that sounds like to me, God gives those to his Son, Jesus Christ. All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me. So all the Father, all those that he saves, they're coming to Jesus. But notice the next part of that verse, Brother Joseph And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Wait a minute. The last part of that verse says, And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. So him that cometh to me is free will. I don't know how to reconcile them, but they are both true. The Father gives men to Christ, but men have to come to Christ. That's it. Men have to come to Christ. All men have to come to Christ. And the ones that come to Him are His. If you've come to Christ, you're the elect. And the wonder, wonderful thing is, is that God's will is for all to come to Him. Everybody. So that, what would be the purpose, uh, Brother Lee, of, of us sending missionaries to the mission field if we just said they're going to get saved somehow? What would be the purpose of us sharing the gospel? Let me just say this, and if this hair lips you or or makes you mad or or, or you get upset or tongue-tied or or whatever, let me just say this. Listen, we are not a Calvinistic church. We believe whosoever will. It is the gospel to the uttermost for the uttermost. We do not believe in some that Jesus died for and he didn't die for this group or he didn't die for that group. Listen, I believe this. Jesus died for all. Now, can I explain everything before the foundation of the world? Listen, we know that God knew they would be saved before the foundation of the world. But listen, I don't. And I'm not the Holy Spirit. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell every creature if I can. Yes, we... We believe that it's a choice to come to Christ. Look at John chapter 6, verse 44. And by the way, let me say this Have you ever met someone that's been predestined to hell? I have never met anyone that says, Yep, preacher, there's nothing I can do. Brother Bobby, there's nothing I can do. I'm just predestined to go to hell. Now, I've met some folks that said, I'm going to hell. I've met some folks that said, I can't wait to get there. But they never said that there's nothing I can do about it. Isn't it amazing that all those that believe in predestination, as far as there's nothing that, that God chose me and all this, which we know He does, we know He chooses us. I'm not saying He doesn't. We know He chooses us before the foundation of the world. But can I say that whosoever will comes to Him can receive Him? We see that in John six thirty-seven. But it's funny to me that I've never met somebody that said, Well, we believe that doctrine, but we're just, there's nothing we can do about it. And it's amazing that their wife is predestined. It's amazing to me that their children are predestined, that grandma was predestined. Isn't that just amazing? It's just so ironic. I believe that whosoever will can come to Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, you have no idea what I've done. You have no idea where I've been. You don't know what my last name is. You don't know what I'm capable of. Hey, you're the one that he wants to save. He'll save you just as you are. And the Spirit of God will clean you up and help you. But I want you to notice verse number 44 of John chapter 6. He said, no man can come to me except, boy, you better perk up here. No man can come unto me except the Father which hath sent me. Notice the next word, draw him. Draw him. What does God draw us to? Well, the word draw speaks of a divine activity. Sometimes it's called conviction. Can I say this? There can be no conversion unless there's been a conviction. You don't accidentally get saved. You don't walk into a building and say, yep, I'll pray that prayer. No, 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 no. There has to be a convicting power of the Spirit of God to draw you. Listen, I've been preaching before. I've been preaching before and I've watched people change skin tones. They went from whatever color we are to a whole lot lighter. I've seen sweat break out on their forehead. I've seen people grip the back of the seats. I've seen people get up and leave. I've seen people sit back there and hold their chest. I've seen people look down at the ground. You say, what is that? Is it anxiety? I'm not sure what it is, but I can tell you this. Most of the time, most of the time, I would say it's the drawing power of the Spirit of God. But just because He draws you does not mean you come to Him. You have a choice to reject. Boy, that's good preaching. You have a choice to reject. You say, well, pastor, I remember a time I was convicted. Good, what'd you do about it? I remember a time that the Holy Spirit of God drew me. Good. What'd you do about it? It says in verse 44, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me, draw him. Notice, and I will raise him up at the last day. That is our hope. John uses several terms. We respond to his drawing. Look at verse 35 again real quick because that's kind of a key verse. Verse 35, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life, and he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. What does he do when he draws us? We we come to Jesus, we believe on Jesus according to verse 35. Look at verse number 40. And this is the will of him that sent me that everyone, I like that, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up at the last day. That means that we have to see with the eyes of faith. You're seeing with the eyes of faith. Verse number forty. Five, it says, notice in verse forty-five, and it is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and and, and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Verse 45 says, It is written the prophets. So you ought to listen to Jesus. We ought to see with eyes of faith. We ought to listen for the Spirit. And verse 35, we ought to come to Him. There's the steps. Jesus introduces a new metaphor in verses 52 through verse 58, talking about eating his flesh. And it's a figure of speech which means to appropriate and assimilate Christ into our own lives. Look with me in verse 52. He says, The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man teach Uh, Give us his flesh to eat. And then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood, dwelleth in in me, and I in him. And the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he hath sent me, He that eateth me, even he shall live by me. He uses the analogy here of eating bread. Several things suggest this, and I'm almost through, but several things suggest that bread must be internalized or it will do no good. You may examine the bread, you may study the bread, you may smell it, You may even read about the bread, but it will be useless unless you eat the bread. The Holy Spirit must create a hunger and awaken our spiritual need for Christ. God uh, God must give a lost man a hunger and, and, and forgiveness and deliverance and peace and hope for cleansing. Eating bread is personal. So watching someone eat bread is no good to you. I don't want to watch you eat if I'm hungry. You sit there and eat a big old slice of pizza. I may come across that table and snatch it from right out of your hand. and Say, hey man, look at that. Do you see that over there? Sure, Yep. bam, gone. I sound like an expert, don't I? You say, well, pastor, I'll eat that for you. No, 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 no. You can't do that for me. It's just like you can't read the Bible for me. You can't pray for me. You can't love my wife for me. You can't drive my car for me. I mean, you can drive me, but you understand. It's it's, it's something that I must do. In order to <clears throat> take of the bread of life, no one else can eat it for me. I have to do it. It's personal. And what I eat, according to, I believe, verse number 57 It becomes a part of me. So what does God promise to those that receive the bread of life? Well, look with me in verse 57 again. He said this, As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live, notice that word, live by me. He promises, brother Joseph, that he will bring life to those that eat this bread. He's promised to give us life and life more abundantly. It's the spiritual life. It's the victorious life. He's promised to give us life. But then look at verse 47. He says in John 6, 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you that he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. So listen, he does not just give you life. He gives you everlasting life. Look, I believe in verse 47, but also in verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. And if any man eat this bread, he shall live for what? Ever. Ever. You eat this bread, church, don't miss this. You eat this bread, you'll never hunger. You will have everlasting life. And then he says twice, I believe in John 6, he says that I will raise you up in the last day. What is that? That's the resurrection. That's the promise. That's the hope. The hope of this. If you eat of this bread, there'll be a resurrection. And if you reject the bread, guess what? There'll be damnation. He says, life and everlasting life. Then he says, he will se- you'll be secure in Christ. Look with me in verse 37. You've been good listeners. We've used lots of scripture. He says in verse 37... Of John 6, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. He goes on to say in verse 39, and this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath sent or given me, I should lose nothing. Boy, I like that. I should lose nothing. He'll never lose you out of the palm of his hand. He can't lose you out of the grip of grace. Hey, you're eternally secure. Can I get an amen there? God doesn't wake up one day and say, oh, I've got to save Steve Cox again. Oh, I've got to save Lee Franklin again. Oh, I've got to save Joseph Trull again. Oh, I've got to save, hey, I've got to save so-and-so again. They slipped up. Oh, no. He will lose nothing. Eternal security. By the way, the eternal security of the believer needs to be taught. Taught. So many people sitting in our congregations. And by the way, you can email me all day. I'll take any email. You can call me. You can say, preacher, I'll meet with you after church. But I believe that you can lose your salvation. Well, can I just ask you a question? If you believe you can lose your salvation, then what did you do to earn it? See, I can't lose something because he did it all. He paid the price, Brother Joseph, so I can't lose something that Jesus did. It was His work. It was the finished works of Christ that I put my faith in and believed as a 13-year-old boy that Jesus Christ died on the cross and that He rose again and that He has secured me in Christ. Here, Here, I believe it is, it's mentioned several times that God will raise Him up bodily on that last day. That is our hope. Look with me in verse number 39. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing but shall raise it up again at the last day. He says it again in 40 at the end, verse 40, I will raise it up at the last day. He says it again in verse 44, I will raise it up at the last day. I believe it's actually four times in John 6, he talks about a bodily resurrection. If you're sitting in here this morning, you say, Pastor, I've had loved ones die that knew Christ, and they have went on before me, can I say there'll be a glad reunion one day. There'll be a resurrection one day. And there's a resurrection because He is the resurrection. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. There's a resurrection of the dead. Hey, and those which are alive, which I believe us, if it's God's will that we're here during the rapture, there'll be a glad reunion. We'll be caught up together. I believe it's First Thessalonians chapter number 4. We'll be caught up together in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. There'll be a resurrection. But then lastly, we'll abide. Look at verse 56. We'll abide. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. We'll be joined together on earth and in heaven. Jesus offers a beautiful invitation, starting with the, the text verse that I read to you this morning. Verse 35, a beautiful invitation. Jesus, and I'm going to say this to you, and I'll be through. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Lots of thirsty people today. Lots of people feasting on things of the world, lots of people feasting on spiritual things, but they're missing the main thing. I wouldn't leave this building today unless I knew that I had taken the bread of life, some point in my life where I had received Christ as my Savior. Quit looking for satisfaction and feeling in other places. You found listen, I found them nearly thirty years ago. He still satisfies. This is the best life. Oh, no, it's not an easy life. But it's the best life. Church, this is the best life. There's nothing in the world for you. There's nothing in the world for me. You say, well, pastor, I enjoy I enjoy this and I enjoy that. And I, hey, listen, you may enjoy it for a season. But this lasts forever. By the way, you'll never thirst. I think about that woman by the well, and Jesus said, Hey, I'm not talking about the water in this well. I'm talking about the water that you'll never thirst again. That woman was curious. She wanted to know what he was talking about. You know what was Jesus telling her? If you'll drink of what I am and who I am, if you'll drink some of that, it'll change your life. Church, I know a lot of these messages in John 6 has ended up the same way, but that's exactly what Jesus did in this discourse. He was trying to teach these Jews and even his disciples that I am he. I am God. I've come from heaven. I'm here to to deliver you, not from Rome, but to deliver you from hell. I'm here to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's close our